Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. How's everybody doing today? You feeling good? I'm fine, actually. It's just my voice, so chill out. It's all okay. The more I talk, the better it'll get. So if I preach for another two hours, it'll sound really good. So you just sit tight. It'll be okay. I'm excited for God's Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 today. Excited to be wrapping up the Grace Revealed series. Love the teaching that's been coming uh, through this series and the preaching of God's Word. How many of you enjoyed the immense wisdom that poured out of this pulpit last week from, from Miss Judy? Wasn't that just wonderful? I love that. <laughs> Exciting times, and so we're excited. But uh, I wanna, something I wanted to highlight to you as we're getting in uh, to the next few weeks here, we'll be celebrating the 40 years of faithfulness of God here in Fayette County in our church uh, as it started back in 1979. But starting this Wednesday, October 9th, we're calling everybody to a week of prayer and fasting from Wednesday, October 9th until Oct- uh, Wednesday, October 16th. And so what that means is that we invite people uh, to, to fast and pray. Now, fasting isn't just eating, okay? Okay? So if all you do is not eat, here's what you're going to get. Hungry. You're going to starve, all right? Might shed a few pounds or something like that, but that's about it. But instead of eating, we set aside time that we, we seek the Lord, whether that's in worship or praying or, or reading the Lord's uh, God's word, inviting him to speak to us. It's not just us speaking to him, but it's allowing him to speak to us. And that majorly happens when we fast, when we deny ourselves. Uh, John says it this way, may I decrease that the Lord would increase in my life. And so that's what happens through the week of prayer and fasting. And so uh, whether that means you fast one meal a day, or maybe it's a couple meals, or maybe you're able to do all of it and you drink liquids only for a week. Uh, that, that's fantastic. Good for you. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we want you to engage in this in some fashion, in some way, uh, to seek the Lord through October 9th, through October 16th, and then Wednesday night, October 16th. Uh, a very special friend of our church and our family here at Faith Assembly, uh, Pastor Mike Holt, is going to be with us for a, a special celebration service that Wednesday night, October 16th at 7 o'clock. And so I want to make sure that uh, you're here for that moment. If you don't normally come out to church on a Wednesday night, uh, listen, our point groups are going to be wrapping up throughout this week. And this uh, October 16th will be the first Wednesday night. Their, their point groups aren't meeting around. And so we want to invite you to make sure that you come out Wednesday night, uh, October 16th. 16th at 7 o'clock and uh, worship the Lord with us and as Pastor Mike Holt encourages us in God's word and so I'm excited for that also our very own pastor is going to be back next week aren't you excited I've missed him my heart uh, I love him and uh, uh, I tell you what Pastor Jason, uh, we've, we've been friends for a lot of years. When he was actually youth pastor here, I was youth pastor in Pittsburgh, not far from here. And so we became friends through that moment. And uh, uh, But over the last three years, there's been something special that's been happening here at Faith Assembly as, as uh, I've been able to come and, and be around and watch Pastor Jason, some of the things that are happening. And we know the expansion that many of us, uh, you know, you saw a few weeks ago, uh, what's going to be happening here on our ground. But uh, I tell you what, we have... 
We have one of a kind as our pastor. I don't know if you realize that or not. I know October is kind of one of those months where you start looking at that stuff. But I'm telling you, we're blessed. I, I'm at different churches all the time. I love, there's a lot of good people out there. But I'm telling you, we got one of the best right here at Faith Assembly. So we ought to be thankful for our pastor and, and all, the, all the other pastors that are obviously on staff with us as well. But hopefully I've given you enough time to find Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, that's in those small little books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all right? So it's right there in the, in the New Testament. If you found it, come on, would you stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? You can also follow along in the New Version Bible app if you'd like as well. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, reading from the New Living Translation, because I want to and I like, got the microphone, come on. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, says, Once you were dead. Is this normal to you? Like, is that normal? Somebody just say, hey, you were dead. Is that normal? That's not normal. I mean, come on, just think about that. Sometimes we read through scripture like it's, oh, this, yeah, we know this. I want you to really think about this and, and let this digest, all right? Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. He used to love us. He loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. For God saved you by his grace when you believed. Come on, that's good for an amen right there. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Now this is really where we're going to zone in a little later on here. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Come on. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Come on, let's pray. Father, one more time, would you release the power of your written word into our lives? Lord, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, Lord, where sin and disobedience has crept into our lives, Lord, where maybe apathy and, uh, Lord, even necropathy have come into our lives and we've allowed, Lord, Lord, the, uh, the paralysis of this world to overwhelm us. God, I pray today in the name of Jesus, where sin abounds, may grace abound there all the more. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray for mercy and joy and hope to rule and reign in this house and in every home and family that is represented in this place today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you as you're seated. Look at somebody and say, he sounds funny. You have to forgive me a little bit. I might crack from time to time. I feel like Peter Brady again. Come on, change. So excited about that. But 
Just showed my age right there. All the millennials were looking at me going, who is Peter Brady? He's Tom Brady's older brother. That's who he is. And they're all jerks. Listen. No. Hey, buddy. Yeah, Seth, I'm still praying for your salvation. Listen. <laughs> we, we need God's grace. As we've been looking over the last several weeks talking about God's grace, you know, I, I think we understand. We, we've, we've probably heard this a few times before. Grace comes from this Greek word charis, which means the unmerited favor of God, right? But I think sometimes we, we, we hear grace and we immediately think of, you know, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. You know, and we begin to think of like the forgiveness of God's grace. But God's grace is so much more than forgiveness. Yes, it's absolutely forgiveness from the past. Uh, but listen, it, 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 it's power here in the present. It's freedom in the present, and it's a fire for our purpose. Listen to me, let me say this again. Grace is forgiveness from the past, freedom in the present, and a fire to reach the purpose God has called us to go towards in Jesus' name. That's why it's the mantra of our church here, Faith Assembly, that we want to reach people to reach their purpose. Because we understand that one might be able to bring a thousand to flight, but two can bring ten thousand to flight. And when we all come together and we all can glorify God in the same way, in the same moment as we are worshiping the Lord, Listen to me, it shakes the earth and it brings heaven down to earth and causes the things of this world to dissipate under the amazing glory of Jesus Christ. As I was a young child, uh, I still act like a young child, my wife says, but as I was, I'm, I'll be 40 here in a few weeks and actually I turn, uh, yeah, next, next month I turn 40 and, and, and so uh, I know I don't look 40, thanks for saying that by the way. My wife says I'm as immature as I've ever been, so I've, I'm fine with that. But, you know, born and raised in a church much like this one, I love this place, I love this church, this is why uh, we've made this our home church uh, uh, after we had uh, uh, some meetings here uh, during a week of refresh, uh, uh, it's been three years ago now, uh, things just were, were just right, things were just happening just right, and Pastor Jason and I had been friends for a little while, and at that moment we just felt it right in our spirits to make this our home base as uh, Pastor Jason invited us to kind of come and be a part of what God is doing here. I got to tell you something, that three of the greatest years of our life have happened in the last three years because of this place. I believe God is up to something. There's something special that is happening. I know many of you, you've been around for a whole lot longer than that. Some of us have just maybe cut, uh, stepped in the doors, uh, it, it, uh, maybe even more recently than that. Uh, but God is up to something. But uh, back when I was a child raised in a, ch- in a church much like this one, uh, just over in the, in the neighboring county there in Greene County, uh, a, a church that had a rich Pentecostal heritage much like this one, uh, a, a wonderful church that uh, 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 preached biblical truth. I can take you to the place in that little Sunday school classroom uh, in, in the basement of that church where I was five years old. My teacher's name was Sister Zimmerman. How do you remember when you, we called everybody brother and sister, whatever their name was, right? Y'all remember that? And, we, and, and it's really helpful if you don't know somebody's name. Uh, you just, hey, brother, hey, sister. It's, it's very helpful for me. That's why, uh, you know, I, I believe that's why God has me travel as an evangelist because I can't remember anybody's name. So I have an excuse every week. But uh, we, we go in and, you know, we, uh, it was Sister Zimmerman. She was one of those uh, kind of old school ladies, you know, no makeup, no earrings, no nothing like that. Had one of the buns that went up on your head. I don't remember the higher the bun, the holier you were, you know, like they just begin to stack that thing up there. You know, they, they begin to put duct tape and chicken 
chicken wire and bobby pins and I'd hold it up in there. And, you know, it just it, it got it all going real well. You know, and they would get going. I remember they get going in churches. You know, uh, we'd have you know we'd have one of those services. You know, they'd start worshiping the Lord. I remember Sister Zimmerman. She was a wonderful lady. She's about that tall, but you know she had a little bit of a belly. She'd start worshiping the Lord. Woo! Search out or whatever. You know, and then at some point the pastor would say, "Everyone, bow your head and close your eyes." How many you, you, you hear that from time? Everybody, bow your head and close your eyes. That had nothing to do with like being sovereign or holy in the moment. It was for safety because when those women started going around like that, when the bobby pens fly out, take your your eye out right now. But I remember as a little five-year-old boy uh, in that Sunday school class with Sister Zimmerman, I remember quite well. I, I remember the exact place, the exact time, the way it smelled, uh, the, uh, you know, the fake wooden tables that were there. I remember the black cowboy boots with the red stitching throughout them that I would put up on the table, right? Uh, because I thought it was cool and I wanted to show off my cowboy boots because that's what you did as a five-year-old kid. And I'd put my little cowboy boots up there. And then after I put my cowboy boots, she said, all right, put your hands up there next. So I put my hands up there and there came a, you know, a yard stick down over my knuckles. I remember, I think that's why they look like that to this day. But, you know, I, I remember it. She, she said she loved me when she did that. I don't know what that means, but may God bless her with a thousand mosquitoes in her armpit on a hot summer day. But I, <laughs> I remember in that room surrendering my life to Jesus as a five-year-old boy. I, I remember the exact place, the exact moment. I can remember it clear as day. I can take you to the exact place in that church I was seven years old, seeking the Lord on, a, on an evening service, and an older gentleman was preaching that night, and I remember coming forward and pressing into the presence of God and asking Jesus to fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit as a seven-year-old boy and begin to speak in other tongues and watch God do miracles and signs and wonders through my little life, even as a seven-year-old boy. I can take it just to the place, right back that same mile where I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, right up here, right back that same mile, about midway back of the church. I can take you to the exact place when I was 11 years old, when the power of God fell upon my life, and I can clearly, and I'm telling you, I tangibly heard the voice of God tell me I would go into full-time ministry. I could take you to those moments. But what I also remember is that the longer I was in church and the older I got, the more I thought I knew, I started looking around at all the different people in church. Come on now. And I started, I began to take my eyes off of Jesus, the champion of faith, and I started looking around at people that were failing in theirs. I was seeing the, the hypocrisy of their lives. The, you know, the same people that could come and worship the Lord and cry. They'd, they'd be an usher. They were a deacon or they were whatever. They, they could come and sing and lead, lead the song service. We used to call it song service back in the day, remember? You know, they'd come do all that, but I'd watch the exact same people. I'd watch them curse and moan and backbite and cheat and steal. I, I would watch the exact, because it was a small town. Everybody knew everybody. Come on, somebody. Well, I, I, I took my eyes off of the Lord and I started looking at these people and I began to begin to question my own faith and my own encounter with the Lord and, 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 my, and I, I begin to think you know what, is this just some, some big manipulation game that they're playing is this just something that, that, that maybe I, I, that I've just kind of fallen into that I was too young to know any better and I just kind of fell in their paths and, and so I, I begin to become very hardened and callous towards the things of the Lord and I, I begin to do some dumb and sinful idiot things because I thought I knew better. The older I got, the, the more I thought I knew. And I'm thankful today as even I was so far from the Lord. Listen, I'd come to church on Sunday mornings because my parents made me. Come on, somebody. 
I could come and I could sing. I could even raise a hand and shed a tear. I knew what to do. I knew how to play the game. But I'm thankful that I had a teacher in high school. There's something to be said for Holy Ghost-filled teachers in public schools. I'm thankful today that I had a public school teacher that came and invested in my life and got me reconnected with Jesus. And I rededicated my heart to the Lord as a 16-year-old boy. And I remember surrendering my life to the Lord. It was around the same time I actually met my wife. Come on, somebody. Jesus was moving. (laughs) Hallelujah. I got her before she knew any better. And as I began to press into the things of God, and I, I, this guilt and condemnation began to overwhelm me because I began to think of, I knew better. I began to realize all this stuff that I did, all the, the things that I, I was overwhelmed in my mind thinking, I'm so guilty, I cannot believe. Why, God, would you love me? Why, why would you even bring me back? I pushed you away. You did all this for me, but yet I pushed you away. You raised me in the right home. I, 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 I don't understand why. I don't know why, God, you would do this for somebody like me. I began to question all this and wonder why God would do this. I remember distinctly. We had just, my parents had just built a home up on a ridge in, in, in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania, up on this ridge in beautiful, beautiful area that overlooked a, uh, this nice open field and everything and uh, shot a lot of deer out of that field. Come on, somebody. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I watched all that up there and I, I remember up and there was a little Cape Cod style home that they built. I remember my, my room was one of the upstairs bedrooms, so I had that little dormer that stuck out in, into the roof, and I had a desk out in that dormer, and there's where I had my Bible laid, and I remember waking up in the middle of the night just questioning all this. God, I don't understand why you'd like somebody. Why, why would you love somebody like me? Why? I remember going out to that desk, and just I, I didn't know Scripture all that well at that moment in my life. I hadn't been a real good steward or student, a student of God's Word, and I remember taking my Bible and just opening it up. I'm telling you, I, you... Listen, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but I'm telling you, this is what happened in the room that night. I open up my Bible, and the first page it opens up to comes to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8. It says, for God has saved me by his grace through faith. And it's not a work. It's nothing that I could do of myself. It's nothing that I could work to attain. It's nothing that I could try and make myself up to be. That's something that I'm not. But God loved me just the way that I am. Regardless of my pain and my scars and my shortcomings and my sadness and whatever self-condemnation I wanted to put on me, God continued to love me. And I just, I begin to speak so overwhelmed. This scripture has become so special to me. In fact, that's even one of the reasons why we named our first child. We named her Emily Grace. And this is the scripture I pray over her life on a regular basis that the grace of God would overwhelm her over and over and over again. And if you know her, she's one of the, I'm telling you, she's got a mean streak in her. You watch her on the basketball court, she'll box somebody out right now. But she's one of the sweetest people you'd ever meet. God's grace is good. It's favor. It's favor. Come on, somebody. God's grace is good. It's the, I, I don't deserve the grace of God. But it's not just forgiveness of the past. Oftentimes we want to focus on the past. But listen, it's freedom in the present. And it's a fire to reach our purpose for the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let me, I, I want to unpack this for us a little bit. Let, let's, let's go back into this again. In verse 1, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil and the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. 
By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. Wow. God is so rich in mercy. Somebody's got to hear that today in this house. God is so rich in his mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I want you to get this today. God's grace has saved us from death. Let me say this again. God's grace has saved us from death. A lot of times people want to know what it means to to be saved, right? That church word, saved. Are you saved? Here's what it means. It's saved from ourselves. It's saved from the eternal consequence of following our own natural desires and inclinations. Verse 1 says that we were dead because of our disobedience. Other translations say our trespasses and our sins. What, what does this mean? Well, listen, it's not just that we were. Our, our death from, our, from disobedient and sin. I want you to get this deep down inside you today. This, this death, it, it comes from this Greek word necros, which, which, where we get necropathy. I don't know if you've ever been around before, but when someone has passed away, I know many of us have, you know, we, we've been into funeral homes where, you know, we, where, where, you know the, the, the dead body of, of a loved one or someone we knew was, was, was laid in a casket and, and the funeral director and all those folks, they, they, they do all the things to, 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 to kind of make it presentable for us and, and give us kind of like this, this peaceful portrait of, of death. I got news to you. There is, there's, apart from God, death is one of the most brutal things you would ever, you would ever experience as a human being. Because of some of the volunteer work that I've been, uh, that I've done before in, in emergency medicine as an EMT and all this stuff that we've seen, you know, we, we've been called, you, you get called into to, uh, a house that, that maybe a family that lives somewhere distant that hadn't been able to get a hold of their family member for the last few days and you walk in and you find that body that had been there for a few days. I remember even specifically uh, a family that couldn't locate uh, the, 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 the dad, the father. He was a trucker. They couldn't locate his truck. They finally found his truck over at the truck stop there in Mount Morris and the truck had actually been there for several days and was running for several days a diesel truck can run like that for quite some time and I remember even going in and that, that man had been laid in there for days listen I, the corpse of a dead person it, it, it's, it's, it's fully helpless like there's nothing that cha- it's, the corpse is dead it's, it's gone there's nothing it's fully lifeless it, and it's almost just like another object. It's just, it's just there. It's a brutal reality of our humanity. But for some reason, we want to rely on something that is so finite and fair and frail. We want to rely on, on what we think that we, something that we can work towards when the, when the reality is that we are all going to die one day that, listen to me, the death rate is staggering. It continues to be one-to-one. Everybody's going to go. Death is certain. And I know this isn't a popular thing to preach. I know this isn't like something to get your rah-rah about. But folks, the reality is that we need to be saved from death. 
We've got to be safe from death because everybody's going to go. Some people sit there and, you know, Pastor, I can't believe you preach like something like that on a Sunday morning. Listen to me. In just a few weeks, the world is going to celebrate death. I won't go there. It says we're dead because of our disobedience. Or other translations say trespasses. It's almost, it literally translated, it's like a, a misstep. Almost like, you know, I'm just walking along and I, I didn't see that that step was there and I fall down. Sometimes it's unintentional. Just because you didn't know. You didn't know what the consequences were. You didn't know what the law was. You didn't know, you didn't know it was wrong. Once you explain that to police officers, sir, I didn't know the speed limit was 55 when he clocked you going 70. And let me know if he's not going to give you a ticket. Just because you didn't know didn't mean you didn't break the law. Sometimes it's unintentional. But it also says it's not just the things that are unintentional. It's also the sin that we miss the mark. And it's intentionally missing the mark. That we choose to turn away from God. We choose the things of this world over the things of God. Some of us are more loyal to the things of this world than we are to the things of Jesus. It's one of the major reasons why church attendance, I'm thankful it's not that way here. I'm thankful that our attendance is on the way up. Come on, somebody. But I got news here overall. You know, you've heard this statistic over and over again. We keep pounding it into you because this is important that we continue to gather together to worship the Lord. But if you put the things of God in front of, behind the things of this world, there's going to be problems. Just one week you decide, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to go this week. It's easier to do it the next. Then it's easier to do it the next. It's easier to do the next. And you blame, well, I don't like the way the preacher preaches. I don't like the songs I sing. I don't like whatever this. I don't like that. I don't like the person that sits beside me. His cologne's a little weird. I can do this. We start blaming all these different things. I don't like the people that go there. They're all hypocrites. Hey, buddy, so are you. We're all dead. We all need God's grace. The Bible says we have all followed the law of human frailty. We, here's, you say, Tim, what am I saying? Here's the thing. I never once, I have four kids. I love my kids to death. I love my kids. My kids are well behaved. I'm thankful for that. I beat them a lot. Come on, somebody nodded. <laughs> but you know what I never had to do? I never had to teach them to be bad. Kind of came natural. Huh? I never had to teach them the word no. Come on. Our human nature is sinful. Because one man's sin, death entered into this world. And so now all have sinned and everyone is going to have to die. This is the consequence of sin. For the wages of sin is death. We want to skip around this. We want to think, we want to think like, oh, you know, we, we, this is just the fluffiness of God. And we want to talk about all the goodness and the loveliness of God. And how, uh, listen, I love that part. And we're going to get there. And I hammer that home because I think too much the world wants to tear everybody down. And I'm sick of it. I'm not here to tell you how bad the world is. I'm here to magnify how good God is. But if we don't address the reality of the sinful world and the sinful nature of humankind, listen to me, we are missing the mark. Can I also just say this for a moment? Many of us, 
You'll hear preachers and ministries around that all they want to do is tear down other preachers and other ministries and say they don't preach this and they don't preach that. Meanwhile, they're sitting there in front talking to four people and they think that they're the four people that are elected. They're the only ones going to heaven. I got news for you. If you find yourself listening to somebody that does that, you get yourself out and make sure there's only three people left there. Come on. Don't allow the, the garbage of, 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 of holier than thou to sweep over your soul and make you think that that's something that God wants. God doesn't want us to tear down one another. He wants us to build one another up in the most holy faith. That's what my Bible says. Disobedience, the misstep, whether it's unintentional or intentional sin that misses the mark. And the Bible says that, that we've all followed the prince of the air, the devil, the, un, the unseen power in this world. You know, there, there's a lot of foreign leaders in this world. You know, the, you know, Kim Jong-un, he wants to shoot off missiles to show how strong he is. Vladimir Putin wants to invade countries and look all big and bad and take pictures of himself on a horse. What a weirdo. You know, all, all the dear little things that they, you know, all these different leaders, they, they all want to puff themselves up and make themselves look big and bad. The devil is the only leader in this world that I know that his main purpose is to try and get people to believe he doesn't exist. This is, here Paul is trying to let us see behind the curtain. You say, Tim, what am I getting at? I know there, there was a, there's a, an Assembly of God minister that was a young man that was going for credentials in the Assembly of God to become a minister in the Assemblies of God. He sits down at one of our districts, you know, you, you go through this process and, you know, you get education and you take some tests and you do some things. And then uh, at, the, at the end of it, the last step is that you sit in front of a panel of, uh, of, of older gentlemen, you know, leaders, superintendents and leaders in, 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 in the fellowship and you talk through them and they, they begin to ask you questions and they interview, interview you before they give you credentials. Well, they bring this one young man in and this young man begins to talk and they, they begin to find out that this young man does not believe there is actually a devil. A Satan, Lucifer. They don't believe, he doesn't believe there's actually, he, he didn't believe this. And he, he said, I don't think there's like one like devil. I, I, I don't think there's really Satan in the world. I think it's just kind of like this greater evil force. Like it was just generalizing it, you know, kind of putting lipstick on a pig, you know? And, and, you know, they, they send the young man out and they, all the, the men begin to discuss that are sitting around the panel like, we can't get this kid credentials. He doesn't even believe there's a devil. How's he going to make it in ministry? And one of the older gentlemen stood up and said, guys, settle down. Go ahead and let's give him credentials because six months into the ministry, he's going to find out there really is a devil. <laughs> Won't take long. Listen, there is a devil that has come to kill, steal, and destroy you. And if you don't realize it, you're asleep at the wheel. There is a devil that is out to destroy your family, that is out to drag down this community, that is out to tear apart this church. And if we think that the enemy has forgotten about us, we are sorely mistaken. We better be ready on a regular basis for an attack of the devil. But I'm thankful today that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through prayer to the pulling down of the strongholds of darkness. I'm thankful today that I can speak the blood of Jesus Christ and death must pass over me in my house. In Jesus' name. Amen. Since this is our flesh, and it's, sometimes we want to think it's just like our skin, right? Like, like death comes from our flesh. How many understand sin doesn't just come from our flesh? It's not just like, like you know, many people think of sin as like, you know, nat like 
like, like sexual sin or things that, that satisfy our flesh. How many understand there's also, there's also sins of our mind and our spirit that, that uh, anger and malice and greed and bitterness are just as much as sins as, as some form of fleshly sin. It's all sin. And sin separates us from God. And the Bible here says that we become an object of God's wrath or his anger. Now, this is where people, I don't want you to get confused. God is not mad at you. It's where people want to start coming up with excuse. You know, you know I, I, God must not love me anymore. I got this sickness. My, my, my wife got this. My husband got this. We, you know, I, I lost my job. God must have forgot about me. He must not like me anymore. Uh, God hates me. God, you know, and we begin to play this victim card. You're falling right into the hand of the devil. God is not mad at you. Listen to me. This is a law of consequences. This is a law of consequences. God's wrath and anger follows the law of consequences. You say, Tim, what am I getting at? Let me explain it to you this way. How many understand gravity has wrath? Gravity has anger. So, Tim, what are you trying to tell me? Listen, I want you to climb up on top of the roof of this church. No cables, no support, no parachute, no nothing. Don't jump off over here where it's maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 feet. I want you to go down here on the big side and jump off. Here's the consequence, honey. You're going splat. Huh? The wrath of gravity is if you jump off without support, you're going down. <laughs> Hello? This is the same with our life. If we choose to follow our own natural inclinations, what we, what we think comes natural to us, our own instincts, listen to me, we are following into the wrath of God. This is the consequence for the wages of sin is death. But I'm thankful today that the grace of God has saved me and set me apart. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ my Lord. Not only does are we saved from death, but listen to me, grace seats us with distinction. It's not just freedom, it's not just forgiveness from the past, but it's freedom in the present to live now, that you are seated with Jesus Christ. You are seated with distinction. Said so Tim, what am I getting? Look at this down, verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So God can point to us in our future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. You have been seated with Jesus Christ. You realize that? When you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he is God, at that very moment the old is gone and the new is come. And you are no longer identified as the sinful human nature that once was leading you down the path of death. You are now, you are now identified as an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You say, Tim, what am I getting at? Listen to me. Many of us, we want to allow the pain and the sin and the shortcomings of our past to identify us and become who we are and try and make that our character that we're the that we're the, the we're, we're, we're the recovered one or we're, we're, we're the one that, that, that was the addict we're the we're, we're the diabetic we're the cancer patient we're the divorced one we're the one out of debt we, we come up with all these different things i'm the one with the hot temper you know i'm irish so i got a hot temper and we come up with all these different things that try to overwhelm us and we allow the pain of our past to keep us from the freedom of our present listen to me that's not you anymore 
It's no longer I that lives, but it's Jesus that lives in me. For I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Not I, but Jesus who lives in me. I have been seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. So this is why. When I pray, I don't have to sit there and beg. I don't have to grovel and and crawl on my belly to God. Oh, God, please save my family. Oh, God, please heal this. Oh, God, please do that. No, no, no. I have the authority in Jesus Christ. I am seated with him in the heavenly realms. I can speak things into existence even though they are not. I can say they are in Jesus' name. I I can look at that mountain, say, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And that big ball of dirt has to waddle itself out into the waves under the authority of Jesus Christ that's represented in my life. We are made alive in Jesus. As far gone and the depravity of a dead corpse of a human being. The Bible says that when we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart that he is God. That we are made a new creation. That we are now made alive. See, many of us think we only get to experience the resurrection after we die here on this earth. This is the problem with Christians. We get hung up on the cross and forget to get out of the tomb. Hello. We want to stay around the cross because we're used to that. We know our pain. We know our sin. We've been there. We've done that. We're scared to step out of the tomb because now we're going to have to start living outside of ourselves. And we're going to have to start living by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've already been made alive, the Bible says. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness. Let me explain it to you this way. I love my, my wife and, and Emily, Katie and Emily. They, they like, every year they kind of have a little tradition where, you know, we, we travel a good bit, so we don't watch a lot of live TV, right? We, we watch more like things on a DVR from streaming or something like that. So when there's a live sporting event for me or, or for them, they, you know, every year they want to watch the Miss America pageant. How many of you have ever watched that stuff before? Act like you haven't. I see you out there. And it's usually a five foot nine brunette lady that has nice big white teeth and red lipstick. That's who's going to win. Pick that one. But they, they, they always go, and they, they want to sit there and watch it. And we're normally not there on the night that it's going, right? So they're watching it later on. And they've kept away. They've made sure they haven't found out who wins. You know, but me. God's given me one of these things. So I go on the, on the Google. Who won Miss America? And I find out. I already know. So I come out into the living room. You want to know who won? No! You know, they want to watch the whole program. They, they want to pick their favorites, see if they can be the judge. You're like, I don't know why, but it's what they do. Am I lying about this? Look, you're both over there. See, look, Emily. And I come out like, I know who won. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. You know, I, sorry, I, I got it all down. Didn't know the preacher knew the box step, did you, huh? Just because you don't know that you've been resurrected doesn't mean that you haven't already been resurrected. 
Jesus is going to be able to go back as he tarries before he comes back to, to take this world to its final ages. He's going to be able to point back to the lives of the people here in Uniontown and what's happened in Fayette County and what God is doing here at Morgantown Road. And he's going to be able to show the wealth of the grace of God. As we go into the next few weeks of celebrating 40 years of the faithfulness of God. The latter rain is always greater than the former. The best is still yet to come. I am so excited. I'm thankful for where we've been. I believe we're standing on the shoulders of giants. From Pastor Pogi to Pastor Emil, Pastor Sparks, and now Pastor Jason Lamer. I'm excited for where we've been. But I'm telling you, the greater days are yet to come. And if we would gather together and realize we have been seated with distinction, that there is a special purpose and a plan for what God is doing here in this body of believers, we would recognize that this isn't just, we're not just gathering money we're not just putting more butts in the seats but we're trying to let people know that Jesus is coming soon that he still saves he still heals he still delivers and he still sets free and when we all glorify the Lord together there's nothing that can stop us what a powerful portrayal of the grace of God I love this the grace is not based on performance you have been saved by grace through faith. It's not based on performance. Grace isn't given out based on performance. Grace is given out based on paternity. You're a child of God. Come on, somebody. You are a child of God. I am who he says I am. Come on. You're not the diabetic anymore. You're not the cancer patient. You're not the addict. You're not the lonely one. You're not the single. You're not left out. You're not forgotten. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have been made more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. That's who you are. You have been seated with distinction. There is something special that is happening here at Faith Assembly in Uniontown. I'm telling you, I go all over the place. I go to a lot of different churches and a lot of different areas. There is something peculiar that is happening. God is moving here on Morgantown Road. The question is whether or not we're going to move with him. We can stay in the past. We can live in fear of failure or even fear of success. Because if we succeed... There's going to be more people come in. And the more people that come in, the less control I'm going to have as a person. I hope to God there's one day I have zero control of anything. I want Jesus to be in full control. I can't wait for the day when the Holy Spirit just sweeps through this room and begins to do things. Miracles and signs and wonders just begin to happen. As we're worshiping the Lord, people get out of wheelchairs, tumors disappear, blind eyes open up, deaf ears open up. I'm thankful today that we're going to watch addicts come and bow their knees in the, in the face of Jesus Christ. I can't wait for the day that every prostitute and drug dealer in Fayette County sits on the front row of Faith Assembly of God. Grace isn't based on performance. It's based on paternity. You're a child of God. So it's forgiveness to stop reliving the pain of the past. And it's freedom to start living in the promise of a present God and our eternal home. Verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Come on, we've done a lot of good things here. 
I'm thankful for what God's done through us. There's a lot of faithfulness that's sitting in these chairs this morning. Many of you have given sacrificially, not just money, but of time and of effort and of resources, sweat, blood, and tears. I'm thankful for that. But there's more. I want to humbly say there's more. Until every man, woman, and child in Fayette County knows Jesus saves, there's more. There's more. There's more to do. I love, not only are we saved from death, not only are we seated in distinction, but we are set into destiny. We're set into destiny. The Bible says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. I'm thankful today that there is a destiny God has made for me. I know many times that we want to get up in our little religious circles and we want to, you know, have these theological debates from Arminianism and Calvinism. And if you don't know what those things are, God bless you, don't find out. <laughs> Arminius, you know, uh, Calvinists think that, that, that nobody has a free will, that God, God is, 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 is taking control of everything, that you don't have a choice of whether or not you're going to be saved and whatever and do. There's a lot of denominations that follow along that way. You've got to be real careful in that. And also, I, I, I just want to tell you, you've got to be careful in some of the theological books you, you read because a lot of the ones that are out there have been come from Calvinists. So you've got to be careful. Then there's, there's Arminianism that believe that we have a free will. God's given us a choice. You can choose to follow Jesus or not. It's up to you. And regardless of what we choose to do, in the sovereignty of God, he's so holy and he's so righteous that he can still bring about his plan and his purpose, even if it's just through one. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that God has allowed me to choose him because he's chosen me. He's predestined you. Each and every man, woman, and child is predestined in a purpose of God. The question is whether or not we're going to follow it. Come on. We're all predestined to greatness. We're all predestined for the glory of God. We are all predestined to live in heaven forever and forever and forever. The question is whether or not we choose to follow him there. We are set into destiny. God's grace has set us into destiny. I love Listen, I know, I, I told you that, that, that this Greek word charis is, is translated as grace, right? The unmerited favor of God. But I want you to get this. The same word charis is also the root word uh, that comes from where Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he's talking about spiritual gifts, what is called charisma. In the, in the Greek language, it's called charisma. It's the same root word from charis, which means the favor of God that gives you the ability to portray the power and the grace of Jesus Christ through the moving of the Holy Spirit. God enables us and gives each of us different giftings and abilities. We're not gifted, and, and we all have different abilities. We all have different giftings and desires. And, and hey, Paul classifies them in kind of three different chunks. Things that make you think like God, gifts that make you think like God, gifts that help you speak like God, and gifts that help you act like God. Gifts that make you think like God are gifts of, revela or gifts of revelation, uh, of knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. It's revelation. And then there's gifts of proclamation, things that make you speak like God. So, uh, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. That's the proclamation. And then there's the demonstration gifts, the gifts that help you act like God. Gifts of faith, gifts of miracles, and gifts of healing. What God does, it's what he's all about. 
And so, listen, we, we oftentimes, we want to make the moving of the Holy Spirit as some like ultra spiritual thing that only the elite can attain. No, I got news for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer that calls on the name of Jesus. Right here, right now. The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is more practical than putting tires on your car. I'm telling you that right now. That's why I can walk up to somebody in a store and God has revealed to me that what they're going through and I'll begin to speak faith and hope into them and they all of a sudden they realize that some stranger, God has spoken to some stranger to let them know that they matter, that they have a purpose and they're not forgotten about. Come on. Maybe you're, you, you may not be gifted in different ways like that. Maybe some of you might be anointed to bake a lasagna. Come on, somebody. We need some, we need some good anointed pans of rigatoni in the house. Come on. Come on now. Come on. There's a neighbor that feels lost and lonely and forgotten. And you take an anointed pan of, of baked chicken over on a Sunday afternoon. I'm getting blessed right now. Come on. You can go over and let them know they're not forgotten. And God can, come on, God can use pasta for his glory in Jesus' name. If you would just submit your, what you can do to the Lord, God will do exceedingly and abundantly far more than you could ever ask, imagine, or think. Many of us are gifted in different ways. Somebody needs to be gifted to clean the toilets at this church. Somebody needs to be gifted to change diapers in the nursery. Somebody needs to be gifted to encourage young people and mentor young people along the way. Somebody needs to be encouraged to drive vans to go get people here that can't get here any other way but by that way. Come on. We need people that are anointed to take up the offering. We need people that are anointed to be security guards that watch out to keep us safe while we're in here because let's, let's face it, this world's full of nuts. We'd like to come in here and shoot everybody up. Hello. You know, there's over 200 people at our church that are signed up to engage. This isn't a ploy for volunteers. I'm just telling you how good. I'm thankful for what God's doing here. Over 200 people every, are, are signed up to engage in, in some form of ministry here. I'm thankful for that. Each and every Sunday, there's over 60 people that it takes to make this all happen. We don't always see it all. We don't see the children's workers that are down there right now. My, my goodness, Pastor Lindsay needs help. Because the more people that come... I'm telling you, there's an unusual amount of young families with children that come to our church. I know it. My young kids go down there. We see it. She needs help. And it's, 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 it's not a plea like, oh, we need your help. It's an amazing opportunity. If you would watch God use you in the life of a child, it's shocking what, what you'll do in the life of a child. Pastor Shatir needs encouragement with the teenagers, people to help him out along the way. The more people that come, I'm thankful. Can I just tell you something right now? I said this in the first service, and it reminds me I want to say it again. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in our youth department right now. I'm thankful. Just a few, I don't know if it was this past Wednesday or Wednesday before I was away from home, as I, as I am a lot. And, and, and Katie, Katie calls me and she says, honey, I'm, I'm still here at the church waiting, waiting for, the, for the teenagers to be let out. I said, what's taking so long? Are they like, well, tell Emily to get out of there. It's time for you to go home. It's late. You got a half hour drive to get home from here. She goes, no, 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 no. She says, God's moving. They're around the altar. The young people are seeking after Jesus right now. She goes, this is a wonderful thing that's happening. Listen, there's no better place for your teenagers to be at a 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night than right down there. I'm thankful for what God is doing. I'm thankful today that God is moving in our church. It's time for us to engage. Listen, I'm thankful for the 200 people, but every Sunday there's over 500 of us that come here, which tells me there's over, over half of us that aren't engaged. I wonder what it would look like if more got engaged. Say, I don't got much to offer. Now, this is the beautiful, poetic nature of God's grace. I love the Passion Translation 
from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Passion Translation says it this way, we have become his poetry. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. You are a masterpiece of God's artwork. You are a masterpiece in the gallery of God's grace. So many times we want to think we don't have much to offer. We think that maybe we've been disqualified because maybe you haven't come to church long enough. Sometimes we think we're disqualified because we've been coming to church so long it's time for somebody else to do it. Come on. Sometimes we think we don't have the right title or we don't have the right influence, but everybody can do something. Because God has gifted you. You're gifted. You are beautiful. You are a beautiful masterpiece of God's art. Sometimes people think, well, to me, I don't know the ugliness of my past, the scars of my past. There was a vagrant, basically. He had an apartment in Chicago several years ago. This man had an apartment in Chicago and didn't have much, go out on the street and beg for money to, so he could eat and buy things and whatever and, and live in his apartment that was so filthy and run down, full of trash and trinkets that he would pull out of dumpsters and trash cans along the road or different things that people would give to him and lived a very lonely lifestyle of just of nothingness and had, had nothing to offer and it finally ends up passing away and the authorities go into his, into his apartment and they begin to find some stuff and identify him and find out who his next of kin is and his family and so they come to his apartment and they begin to go through all the stuff that's there most of it they're just tossing and throwing away and they come across this one particular uh, like painting that was in this beautiful Victorian frame, thank you looking at Marissa because I know she was here in the first service not even paying attention, were you? Not joking, I love you. This is a beautiful frame, like this old Victorian frame. The painting was real ugly and scarred up and had some issues and different things. And so she wanted to take it home because she knew she had a, a picture that she wanted to put in this frame that would look really nice in her home. So she takes it home and she gets it, she gets it and takes it to a, a, you know, a, a little shop to be able to take the old painting out that was all tore up in scars and nastiness and wanted to put the beautiful new painting she had in it. And when she takes it, she sits it down on, on, on the table in, in, in this gallery for them to fix, to put the new painting in. The curator looks just dumbfounded and astonished. Well, don't get ahead of me. You're ahead of my story. Why do you want to take this painting out of here? Just because I got this new one. It's, I like it. It fits better. It goes with the decor in my house better. This one's all scarred up and dirty and filthy. And it's just, I just don't like it. It doesn't look good to me. He goes, let me show you something. And he takes that around that frame and pulls that old tattered painting out of that frame. And on the back of that painting was signed by Rembrandt himself. See, many times we think beauty is held in the eye of the beholder. That's a lie. Value comes not from the way it looks to someone, but by who made it. You might think you have scars, that you have inabilities that have disqualified you, that have made you worthless in the kingdom of God. Your value and your worth is not determined by someone else's inability to see it. 
Your value and worth is determined by who made you. You are a masterpiece in the gallery of God's grace. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. God knitted you together in your mother's womb. Before one of your days ever came to be, he had them planned out for you. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans of hope and of a future. And it's not, listen, sometimes we think the scars are so ugly. I'm thankful today for scars. I'm thankful today for scars. Even Jesus, when he showed, uh, showed up to the disciples on the road of Emmaus after his resurrection, they didn't recognize him and they were scared to death. And he proved who he was by his scars. You prove the grace of God by your scars. You're still here. You're still standing. You have not been forgotten. You have not been left behind. You still have much to offer for the kingdom of God. He said, Timmy, I don't have a lot of inabilities. I don't, have, I don't have a lot of abilities. I don't have a lot of talents. I don't have a lot to give. There was a Sunday school teacher in Chicago, the same city, that thought the same thing several years ago. Thought he didn't have much to offer, but there was this one kid that kept coming to a Sunday school class as a kid. He would try and minister to him, and the kid just was one of those. Come on, you ever been around one of those? Some of you are looking at me like, yeah, you. Well, kids start, stopped coming to, to the Sunday school class and so he found out that this kid had picked up a job to work in the stock room of a shoe store in the back of a street in Chicago so the Sunday school teacher goes to the manager of that shoe store and says hey can I go talk to that kid in the back He's, God's really laid him on my heart and I believe God has amazing things for his life and I, want, I just want to minister to him let him know he matters the manager says yeah go ahead I mean he's, he's in the back you're going to have to find him and the Sunday school teacher waves his way back through all this, that dead shoe store. Goes in the back and there's this kid back there doing work and stocking shoes and doing all the different things. Comes back in and begins to minister to the young, young kid. That young kid was so overwhelmed that someone would, would try and find him and hunt him down and track him all the way to the back of a smelly shoe store in the stock room in, in, in the streets of Chicago that that young man gave his life to the Lord. The Sunday school teacher's name was Edward Kimball. The, the young man that gave his life to the Lord was Dwight L. Moody became known as D.L. Moody one of the most famous and powerful preachers and evangelists in our modern era but it didn't stop there D.L. Moody became so powerful and anointed under the presence of God that as he would go into the factories and the communities uh, where he was holding revivals and meetings that he would walk into those factories that the workers there would fall down and bow and worship the Lord and repent and turn to Jesus because the power and the anointing of God was so strong on D.L. Moody's life just as he even walked by them well, even through the life of D.L. Moody, uh, there became another young man that came up under his ministry known as Frederick B. Myers. Under Frederick Reed Byers ministry raised up another man called Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman went and ministered to a, base, a famous baseball player named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday began to travel up and down the coast as he quit professional baseball. Traveled up and down the coast holding meetings and revivals and crusades. One of those crusades was held in Charlotte, North Carolina. There in Charlotte, North Carolina, thousands upon thousands of people came and surrendered their life to Jesus and worshiped the Lord. The business leaders and the, and, the, and the political leaders of the area were so overwhelmed with what God was doing because drugs had been driven out. Poverty had been defeated. People started going to work again. All, everything that, that was so negative and horrible about that community was made new because of the move of God. 
They were so excited. They tried to get Billy Sunday to come back the very next year and try and get it. But Billy Sunday was a calendar was so packed already. He went and, and instead of sending Billy Sunday, Billy Sunday sent somebody else named Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham held another crusade there. And as Mordecai Ham's crusade was going, it wasn't well as, as well attended as Billy Sunday's crusade. There wasn't a lot that was going on. There was a few people that give their life to the Lord along the way, which is powerful and amazing. But one night, there was a young man on the back side of the tent. And when I say the back side of the tent, I don't mean like in the back where people were sitting. I mean like behind the choir. And the only reason the guy was there is because he wanted to be close to one of the girls that was singing in the choir. As that Mordecai Ham is preaching, that young man gets intrigued with what Mordecai Ham is saying. And he starts creeping around the backside of that tent. And as he's creeping around, Mordecai Ham is delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as the night goes on, Mordecai Ham gives a call for salvation. And that young man comes and bows his knee and surrenders his life to Jesus. The name of that young man is Dr. Billy Graham. It all started with a Sunday school teacher that thought it was important to go talk to a young man in the stockroom of a shoe store in the back of the street of Chicago. What you do matters. This is the poetry of the grace of God. Not everybody can do everything, but everybody can do something. And when we all unite together, this is powerful. Not everybody can preach, not everybody can sing, not everybody can drive cars, and everybody can do this and do that, whatever else. But everybody can do something. Everybody can give something. Everybody can worship. The things we can do together, we worship together. There's power when we worship together. Remember I told you earlier that the Lord has given the devil as the prince of the air of this world. When we worship and we begin to lift the name of Jesus in this house, we are literally performing spiritual warfare. That we are pushing out the powers of darkness. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Um, when I say worship, I don't mean like, listen, I, I know worship is a lifestyle that goes beyond what we do here. But it's more than us just standing here like, well, that's a nice song. I'm talking about engaging in worship. I didn't have much of a voice to sing during worship, but I can tell you, I was raising my hands. I was glorifying the Lord. I'd clap. I'm I'm getting engaged in what God is doing. Don't sit back, but engage. Step forward. Let a fire of God burn so bright deep down inside of you. It's going to be, listen to me. I know I'm just one candle, but you're another candle. And when we all unite together, I got news for you. We become a powerful force for the cause of Jesus Christ. We will be that shining city set on a hill that will declare the glory of God in Fayette County from now until Jesus comes. Come on, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we go, listen. Not time to put your keys and fold your books up and all that stuff. We've got two more minutes. If you're here today, listen to me. I want us to engage in worship for about the next 60, 120 seconds here, all right? Two minutes. I dare you to engage in worship and find out how the atmosphere is going to change. You might find out that miracles might just stop popping up. You might find out that addictions are just going to fade. You might just find out that as you begin to give God the glory, that His grace begins to descend upon this room. And where the devil was once in control and where we thought we were defeated, the victory of Jesus Christ begins to well up in our soul. And we now have the freedom and the present and the fire to push into the purpose He's called us toward in Jesus' name.